everybody. Welcome to Long Story Short, the podcast. I'm Megan. I'm Wendy. And today we are midway through the month of October, and October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And you may or may not know, but our Wendy is a breast cancer survivor. And later in the podcast, we're going to be talking about Wendy's breast cancer story. We're going to be digging into that and answering some questions that were submitted. But first... Julie Chen Moonves style. Let's talk about where else you can find us outside of the podcast. You can always hop into our Facebook group, which is Long Story Shorties. You can follow us on Instagram, where we are Megan and Wendy LSS. And you can always email the show at Megan and Wendy at gmail.com. We have an email from Lisa, and I'm just going to read two snippets from the email. The beginning says, fake it till you make it. Great episode. I think we all fake it now and then. Those are called filters. I do realize, though, the older I get, the thinner my filters become. Which, agree. Uh-huh. And later on, she says, I seem like a super confident person, but inside I think people don't like me either. I have a wonderful group of retired teacher friends, but I've always felt that they are including me because I became friends with one of them and the rest of them just had to accept me. And if I feel ignored in the slightest, I go over and over it in my head what I did or what I said. I know I'm probably just imagining things and perhaps they're busy, but I blame myself. So Megan, you aren't alone in this and I'm sure we're not the only two. I'm sure of that also. So thank you for your email, Lisa. I wanted, let me add a note here. I was talking to my husband about that episode and he's like, I'm a Megan. Really? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, he always assumes from go that people don't like him. And then it's like, it's very hard for him to like feel, you know, accepted because that's, that's the place that he comes from. Well, that's so interesting. Yeah. And I was like. I was like blown away. Like, honestly, I was blown away from your revelation and then his too. I was like, really? Like, shocks me. So you guys aren't alone. (laughs) Well, I was um, talking to someone last week and she brought up our old YouTube channel. And I said, oh, we're not really making videos anymore. We have a podcast. And she had said, what is it about? And I mentioned our most recent episode. And she's like, oh, are you actually like going deep into these things and I was like well I said that I think most people don't like me (laughs) that's my default she was like wow and it's so funny that I said that because I assumed for a long time that this person didn't like me and as I was saying it I thought is she in her mind like she's on to me (laughs) oh my god anyway if you're listening to this Kim she's always been incredibly lovely to me but then I'm like maybe this person's just a good person and she's good at making people around her feel good about themselves right anyway it, it's never ending wow speaking of additional places you can find us outside the podcast you can always find out everything you need to know at meganandwendy.com that's where our podcast show notes live and if you've never taken a look at those you should because they're full of additional information about the things we talk about on the podcast, as well as links to our Megan and Wendy approved items. But right now, at MeganandWendy.com, there is a plethora of holiday gift guides. And if you're saying, excuse me, it is October 19th as you are listening to this, what are you doing? Or saying, supply chain disruption. <laughs> and look, I have seen the memes, guys. I've seen the... The work of local artists isn't sitting on a container ship, and I hear you. 
I hear you. You should know that the gift guides feature the work of both big and small businesses. We are big proponents of shopping small and shopping local. But if, like us, you live in a place like Orange County, which great place to live, not exactly like a den of local artisans. <laughs> it's real chain after chain after chain. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like you're not going to downtown and shopping like the locals. Anyway, there are gift guides in many categories. We've got gift guides for Disney fans and Hallmark fans and coffee drinkers and wine drinkers and teenagers and grandparents and people who like to garden and people who like to cook and stocking stuffers and families. And there are 23 of them total. <laughs> 23. And yeah. we still actually have a list of a few more that we would like to add. We'll um, see if we get there. <laughs> <laughs> the momentum slows way down as soon as that initial launch goes live. But they're, I really enjoy creating them. I always end up with a huge list of things I want for myself as a result of creating these gift guides. And we would love it if you would check them out. And as a reward for giving them a glance, we have a giveaway happening. Excuse me. The giveaway is hidden inside one of the gift guides, and you'll know it when you find it. But as an added bonus for podcast listeners, once you find the giveaway, make sure to also include the secret podcast bonus word jingle for an additional bonus entry. You can find all of those at meganandwendy.com, and they will, of course, be linked in our show notes for easy shopping. Mm -hmm. Speaking of shopping, being a consumer... Do you consider yourself good at complaining when it's warranted? Yes. You yes. Do. The the long-standing joke with my family is that if if something goes wrong like with a service or a business or whatever, the joke is Wendy's going to write a letter because <laughs> I I have a long-standing habit of letting people know when I am unhappy with something. And it's always warranted. It's not just because, like, you know, I was... Uh, I got seated late at a table or was something stupid like that. You know, it's right. always warranted. Anyway, tell me your story. So I have two examples. Well, okay, so we had this laundry room flood recently. And mm -hmm. the first company that we hired to remediate ghosted us midway through the process. And it took me longer than I probably should have to go higher up. I couldn't get a response. And I finally went to the supervisor of the person I had been working with. And I felt very guilty about that. And cut to the second company that we hired, they were great, like 99% of the time, except like at one point they patched a wall and they did like touch up paint in the wrong color. <laughs> oh <laughs> like, my God. No. This is one of those things I was like, okay, I, they should have asked me right before mm -hmm. painting the wall. Mm -hmm. And then when they realized it was the wrong color, then they should have said something. Cause it's very obviously not the correct color, mm -hmm. but this is one of those things where it's like, I'm just going to fix this myself mostly because I'm so tired of having people in my house. Right. But also, prior to that, I had been the all of our communication had been great, and I had been thinking like, "Oh, I'm going to leave them a good Yelp review when this is over." And now I'm like, "Can I, in good faith, be like they were great, but their attention to detail sucks? Like, I don't <laughs> want to leave them a negative Yelp review. I don't know. I'm tempted to like leave no Yelp review at all if I can't leave a positive one. No, I think it's fair to highlight all the great stuff that they did 
and then just say, my only feedback is this. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's yeah. fair. To, you're not, like, trashing them. No, you and were... making a mistake with the paint color is no big deal. Just say, hey, looks like we have the wrong paint. Like, can you let us know what the right one is so we can fix this? Okay, I have a question. What did they, did they go through your garage looking for the paint? Did they try to, like, paint match it? What did they do? No, they had the paint for the inside of the laundry room, but the laundry room is a different color than the hallway. And they also right. had to patch some paint in the hallway. And they're close in color, but they're not the same because we did, like, a shade darker in the laundry room. Yeah. It's very okay. obviously yeah different when it's on the wall so i think they just assumed oh these two rooms are both gray we're just going to use the same paint and then when it went on the wall i know they knew it was a problem because wendy you'll remember i was texting i was like something's (laughs) happening they got real quiet and they're whispering upstairs and i was really concerned that they had somehow like ruined the brand new carpet that they had put in and they didn't say anything to me. And when I went upstairs that day, I immediately saw, oh, I can see exactly what they did and had just decided we're going to fix it ourselves. Because I'm done. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely, definitely think it's fair to um, – because look, at think about it from our shoes. We go to Yelp for everything, right? I do, Yes. And don't yeah, you want, want an honest an review? review? Yeah. Yes. I do. I do. And you're not trashing them. Because everything is either five stars or one star. And right. sometimes – I think it's and and as my dad would say, like, that's a learning opportunity for them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, my dad is a business owner and he deals with like Yelp reviews all the time. And so if the feedback is, hey, you guys fell short in this area, that's where they can learn from. So, yes, well, I think uh, it's. But- to be fair, I never said anything to them, and I feel like they could come back and be like, hey, you never told us we made this mistake. We would have fixed it. And I know they would have come back and fixed it. I was just at the end of my rope of having people in my home at that point. Yeah, I get it. So then I feel like, well, is it fair? I don't know. I have to think on that. But um, I am the kind of person who will not complain sometimes to my own detriment. For example, part of our pool contract included this month-long startup service because it's like takes a while to get the water balanced and get the filter set up and everything. And so our pool guy contracts contractor contracts with a pool service person and it was supposed to be for a month and last week he comes to me and he was like okay today's my last day it's only been two and a half weeks and so I said okay thank you and then I contacted my pool guy and I said hey can you let me know how long that contract was for I just was unclear wanted to be sure and he's like oh it's for a month and so I said to my contractor who had hired this person That's what I thought. He told me he was done today. It's only been two and a half weeks, but I wasn't sure what to do. And then I just let him handle it. Mm -hmm. And then the service guy called me back. He's like, I'm so sorry. I got the dates wrong. I'll be back next week. No big deal. But I was very close to just not saying anything at all. And then it would have been fine. Like, we would have just moved on with our lives. But, again, I'm not the rock the boat person, even though I'm, like, silently, like, Oh, well, it was, you're not actually done with the job. I fully understand where you're coming from. I am that same person, but I just think like you're, we're asking a question. It didn't seem right. You thought it was a month. It's fine. It's fine. Nobody got fired over it. You know what I no. mean? I think in the age of Karens, which is the phrase that I hate uh-huh. because I have a very good friend named Karen who's a lovely person. But I think we've been conditioned to if you're a middle class white lady, just shut your mouth. Yeah. 
And like you said, this is not, oh, I had to wait at a restaurant during the dinner rush. Right. right? This is not any number of reasonable things that happens in the course of running a business. These are like, okay, these are corrections that should be made. And yet I feel like I'm very afraid to talk about them. Yeah, I understand. No, I th- we need a help group, I think, a self-help group. <laughs> <laughs> you can complain. This is not in our in our notes, but I just want to throw this out there. We are th- is it three or four time Iris Award losers? Four times. <laughs> if you count the two awards we lost this year. Yeah, we are. <clears throat> Cheers. Yeah, cheers. So earlier this week, they announced the uh, 2021 Iris Award winners. Thank you to everyone who nominated us, voted for us. We lost again, but I'm not surprised. It's fine. Come back strong. Number five. Number five is the time next year. (laughs) I was honestly just to be glad to be nominated in the first year of our podcast. As we mentioned, we were nominated alongside some very big, successful names. So that was very fun. We're coming back next year, 2022. All right. Let's do it. In person. So. Yeah, I hope. I hope. Guess what I did over the weekend? Tell me. Well, Netflix released season three of You, mm-hmm. starring Penn Badgley. Is that his last name? Badgley? That seems from Gossip all, Girl. Yeah, that seems all yes. wrong coming out though. Is that right, Penn Badgley? Yeah, you did it. All right. Did you watch this? Did you watch this series? I know you haven't started season three. If you were watching it, no, I read the book. Yes, the book is amazing. I, I love read the, the first, first book. Book You, mm-hmm. and then there's another book that I don't remember the name of. It's called Hidden Bodies. Oh, good job. And mm-hmm. I enjoyed the book, but we all know that I'm a very big baby when it comes to the television I consume. <laughs> and I was worried that the show would be stressful for me to watch. It's it is a little stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that like this, uh, this is a, a mini review and no spoilers. It was kind of all over the place, but it kept me watching. I mean, I think I watched 10 episodes in two days, so... I'm impressed. I mean, I finished it. Uh, tells you I also did not do a lot of stuff this weekend, so... Did <laughs> Later they... around the house and watch TV. God, our weekend was nonstop. Did they leave it open for a fourth season? Because they're beyond what's happened in the books at this point. Oh, super beyond what happens in the books. Yes, mm-hmm. they did leave it open for a fourth season. Okay. So who knows when we'll get it. But there's two things about it. Very exciting stuff. Actually, really not that exciting. But... A major uh, part of where they're filming at in in the season three, it's a bakery, yeah. and it is the same like set or building that they did Luke's Diner in from Gilmore Girls. That's wild. And I was like, that looks really familiar. Like, it felt the same. So, like, I Googled it, and of course, somebody on Reddit was talking about it. So, that's on the WB lot. I don't really know. It's not like a soundstage. Do they film inside that building? They must, right? Yes, we saw it. Don't you remember? I know. Yes, I totally remember. Which is so funny when you go see it, because it's just like a blank slate. Like, obviously, the Luke's Diner sign is not there. Right. Just an empty inside of the building. But, yeah, they do use... I'm pretty sure that building has an interior that they shoot in as well. Because it looked exactly the same. Like they were sitting in front of the windows that face the street. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it looked exactly the same. And even the bell on the door, you know, when you come in, yeah. it sounded so familiar. I was like, is that the same? Like, I don't technically know if they're adding that in in post-production. I was just going to say, I just assume that was like a... I don't know. It sounded the same to me. Sound. Okay. I want to know if anybody watched it and 
had like, you know, <laughs> Luke Diner's vibes watching it. This season also stars, and I'm going to say stars, he's like a minor player, Scott Michael Foster. And I know uh-huh. you know that name. I do. He was in a Hallmark movie this year called Love for Real that we reviewed on our bonus podcast, but he's also in Greek or was in Greek. And you know him how somehow? Oh, somebody's, no. Somebody's boyfriend or brother or something. <clears throat> different, different Greek character. Uh, oh, shit. Are you serious? I thought yeah, for yeah, sure yeah, yeah, yeah. this was the same dude. No, Jake McDormand, who was also in Greek, is uh, a friend, uh, the brother of a friend of mine. But, um, Scott Michael Foster played Cappy in Greek. Of course, uh, he was also in Once Upon a Time. He played Kristoff. I had to look up Love for Real because I had no memory in my mind. That's a Hawaii set yeah. movie. Yeah. Which we liked. I'll leave we a did. Link. I'll we leave did. A link to it. He's a real douchebag in, in this season oh, of bummer. You. But yeah. Yeah. It was good. So if you guys haven't watched the season of You, I recommend it. Well, thank you for that. Now you have a question for us. When did everybody start calling Homecoming Hoko? <laughs> I freaking hate it. Like, I have such a visceral, like, response to it. I cannot stand it. And I especially hate it when I see moms use it on, like, Facebook or Instagram. I can't stand it. hate it so much. Why? <laughs> I don't know, but I will say that I caught my kid using the abbreviation in a text this weekend. So it just made me laugh as soon as I saw that because I hadn't... Well, I see it a lot. Here's a weird thing about high school. Maybe not that weird. All of their information is communicated via social media. Like, we get a weekly email from the principal that has stuff. But I'm telling you, if you want to be on top of things, you got to be following, like, ASB and the counseling department and all these other people on social media to know anything about anything. Mm -hmm. And they use HOCO on their social media accounts a lot. Um, But speaking of homecoming, can I just say that what I love is that the trend now, which is different from when us dinosaurs were in high school... (laughs) Is that a lot of them just go in friend groups? Yes. So when I was in high school, that was not the norm. Like, that was not like, oh, I'm just going to go with friends. Now, that's totally just the thing to do. Yes, people go with dates, but plenty of people just go in friend groups. And I really like that it takes the pressure off. I mean, this is the mom in me, mm-hmm. but also like the high school kid in me who would have just felt like, okay, I don't have to wait for somebody to ask me to this dance to be able to go. I can just right. go with my friends and have a good time. I feel like in high school, you had to have a date to go to these dances. Honestly, it was required, right? When you say that, I feel like maybe you did. So... Yeah, I really like, I really like that they have like finally opened it up like anybody can go and you can go as big friend groups because that's what I see on Instagram is like big friend groups taking pictures together. There's no, there's very few like couples, Mm -hmm. but I will say this is what I'm worried about with my pre-high schooler. There is this big like pomp and circumstance, circumstance, is that the word? (laughs) I am. I can't. I have That's no words. The graduation song, pomp and circumstance. You're right. Okay, there is this big like to do to go. You know, being asked to homecoming or even prom, and there's like, you know, signs and balloons and right, right, bullshit like that or whatever. I'm a little bit concerned for my like 
teenage daughter who's not in high school yet, like she's going to see her friend group or people from her friend groups, you know, like be invited like that. And she won't be invited like that. You know what I mean? I hear you. I, there's like a whole homecoming askings account for our um, what? high school and they like post like photos. No. They're not asking them on the account, but it's like documenting the askings, and then they give away a homecoming ticket to one (laughs) submission. Uh, Yes. But I will tell you, honestly, at least my experience, especially with the freshmen, it's lots of friend groups. Mm -hmm. And I I think even the ones that, I don't know. I don't know if there's a lot of, like, relationships happening at that age. Mm-hmm. But she's always going to have friends that are just want to go in a group. It's always I hope be. so. So let's, let's hope. Let's it is, hope. It is stressful. I was shocked when my freshman said that he wanted to go in a group. Like, that he wanted to go at all. But he was like, yeah, I would love to go with friends. I was shocked. Thrilled. I think it's fun. And I want him to have those experiences. But also I was like, really? Because they give us an option to buy a dance package at the beginning of the year, which oh, was cool. all of the formals. I did not buy that because I was like, he's not going to want that. Well, uh-huh. Jokes on me. But <laughs> it's fine. Well, just shoot me next year if I ever put hashtag Hoko in any Instagram photo. Hoko 22. The- oh, my God. I will. No. You're gonna. You're gonna. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and come right back. All right, we are back. And as mentioned, we are talking Wendy's story this week. And the way we're going to do this is we have some like basic background and then answering some submitted questions. So, we're just going to go through it, and I'm going to take a back seat as the questioner during this segment. So let's hop right in and start at the beginning and talk about how did you or your doctor find it? It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to change that wording, but couldn't make it happen. That's okay. So at the time, I was 33, and my infant daughter was six months old and I was just starting to wean her from breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. And with those, you know, changes to your breasts, you know, after you've slowed down the breastfeeding, uh, that's when I noticed I had a very hard, large lump mass in the like upper quadrant of my breast. And of course, like, you know, you have that thought like, Oh, God, what is this? I'm dying, you know? And then on the other hand, I was like, well, I am breastfeeding. This could be like an infection. And I can't remember what they call it. Mastitis. Yes. That's, I thought it could be that. And so I called the doctor, you know, my my OB. Mm-hmm. And she, they like went through like all these questions. Like, is it hot? Is it red? Is it this? Is it that? Whatever. And it wasn't. So they're like, all right, well, come on in. And because I think those those symptoms are a sign of, okay, say it again for me. Mastitis. Yeah. Like for some reason, I cannot say that word. Mastitis. Yeah. Anyway. And if you've ever had it, I'd rather give birth to another nine pound baby than have mastitis again. True. Did you have it? You had yes. it? Mm-hmm. Oh, my, my God. Uh-huh. And that was actually why I had my first mammogram. Oddly Oh, enough. interesting. Yeah. A little reverse of that. But yes. 
oh my gosh and were symptoms like hot was it hot and red it was hot and you usually get a fever like I didn't even have to go to the doctor right away I called and I was like I have this lump and it's hot and I just started running a fever spontaneously and they're like yeah that's messed up they don't even bring you in if you're breastfeeding they just call in an antibiotic oh wow wow very interesting well I didn't have any of those symptoms so I had come in like and you know you know how hard it is to get like a an appointment with the OB, mm-hmm. especially one that's like delivering babies every day. So they like slid me right in. I went in. I'll never forget. Like my husband had come home for lunch because he needed to watch the baby while I went to go to this appointment, and she like examined me and she was like, "Okay, I'm writing you an order. I want you to drive directly from here." to this breast care center and have this ultrasound. And I was like, all right. So like, here I am. I got to call my husband. I'm like, well, you can't go back to work. You have to stay with the baby because I got to go check this out. And so went to the breast care center, which they had like just opened, like within like the like two weeks or something like that. I think I was their very first breast cancer patient there because they were kind of like, like startled a little bit. Like, like I wouldn't say like they didn't know what to do, but it was like, obviously I was like the first, you know, the first go, the -hmm. guinea pig of the new center. So anyway, like we did like an exam and they did a, a, like a needle biopsy and they were like, while you were there, same day? Same day. I did ultrasound That's and they're impressive. like, right? Well, I think it's because they weren't very busy. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, let's just go, you know? Yeah. Plus, I think I was so young. I, uh-huh. I mean, I was 33. I was young. I didn't have a history of breast family breast cancer. And so they're like, all right, let's just, we're going to biopsy this right now. And I think they were pretty certain that it was cancer, but without the results of the biopsy, like, they couldn't tell me for certain. But, like, everything on their face was like, can you call your husband and have him come down here and meet you? And, like, oh, it was an awful day. Awful day. Plus, I had the damn, like, car seat in my car. <laughs> he had to take our baby to the neighbor. It was, like, so, like chaotic. So they had him come down even though they weren't, were they like, this is what we think it is, but we'll confirm yes. with the biopsy? Yeah, they knew because they could see the lymph nodes oh, on the yeah. ultrasound as well. Like, they knew. And and I was kind of hysterical. So uh, they were like, they weren't just going to like put me in a car and like send me home, you know? Mm-hmm. So the next day, I went in there and the doctor confirmed that it was cancer and yeah, I was basically like fast tracked. That's how I remember it. Like she called the oncologist and spoke to the oncologist like directly and was like, I have a 33 year old. I need to get her on like your calendar right away. You know, it was like mm-hmm. boom, 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 boom. Like I had surgery seven days after my diagnosis. That's amazing. Seven freaking days. Crazy, right? And what surgery did you have? So I ended up having a lumpectomy, mm-hmm. and that's just where they cut the breast open and take, like, the the tumor and the tissues. Right. I also had lymph nodes removed. Mm-hmm. I think I had, like, 13 of them removed, oh something gosh. like that. So I... Uh, uh, 
it's it's a little bit hard to explain, but some people choose to have like chemotherapy first to like shrink the tumor mm -hmm. and then have surgery to remove it. For me, I don't know why we did it this way, but I had surgery first and then had chemotherapy and radiation following that. So I think a lot of it probably depends on like the size and the placement and right. their ability to get all of it. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't really remember. I told you it was like so fast, seven days. Like these decisions were made like that. So mm -hmm. I, I don't, it's kind of a fog a little bit, but in the end, I ended up having stage two breast cancer. And that means the stages, mine had spread to the lymph nodes, but that's the only place where it had spread. So it hadn't like spread to the bones or the brain or to any other organs at that point, thankfully. But with stage two cancer, you usually have to do chemo and radiation, and that's what I did. I will mention this, too. In hindsight, breastfeeding, the, the breast that I had the tumor in never produced as much milk as the other one. And I wish I had, like, investigated that, but I just thought that was, like, a normal... A normal well, and thing. it is normal. I mean, you know, I breastfed two kids and always had one side that was a bigger producer than the other. Uh huh. So I think definitely if there's something that you feel concerns you, talk to your doctor about it, but don't immediately be like, oh, oh yeah, cancer if you're yeah. an uneven producer. Because I think that's yes. very common. Yes. So our next question is, what has breast cancer done to your sense of self-identity? That is a heavy question. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> For me, since I had a lumpectomy and I didn't have to have both breasts remo removed, you know, I think that's like a, a bigger like uh, blow to self-identity. Like you're taking like you're amputating a part of who you are. Right. Was that an option for you? Did they present like a mastectomy as an option or did they not even go there? It was an option, but I chose not to. I, I have a note about that later on. Okay. But as of today, like, I am at peace with the scars I have. I have a, a bunch of scarring. My surgeon was amazing, and she was thoughtful as to where she made her dis or decisions, <laughs> where she made her incisions at. So, so, like, I think, like, at first glance, you wouldn't, like, notice, mm. you know, a ton of scarring, but... The hardest part with all of, like, my diagnosis was the decision to to have my ovaries removed. On one hand, I thought it was, like, very important to have the ovaries removed for a long-term elimination of estrogen because the kind of cancer I had was estrogen-fueled, basically. Yeah. And But the other part of it was, like, it was very difficult to coming to terms with not being able to have any more children because that wasn't part of our plan you know sure. so well and you know, the decision was taken away from you whether it was right or not. right exactly so here's my psa for the day don't ask people why they only have one child i get yeah. that question so much only one you don't want to have any more no bitch i can't you know right. what i mean right yeah uh, i just yeah don't ask people that yeah that's a good lesson for us to all learn yeah yeah so what is different about how you live your life after recovering from cancer compared to before your diagnosis? 
So I, this is a hard question and I gave it a lot of thought. I was trying to like go through like, oh, I'm much more like positive about life and, uh, you know, come on. So I don't think like there's a whole lot of difference between life before and life after. I will say that like I was completely blindsided by my diagnosis because no family history, I don't have the breast cancer gene, yet yeah, just completely blindsided. So now I feel like nothing really surprises me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like I got shingles at like under 40 and I was like, yeah, I'm not surprised by that because that's like a lot of older people get that. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm like not surprised by anything. Like if anything's going to happen to me, yeah, I'm not surprised. So I think that's the difference. Our next question is, what lifestyle and or nutrition advice would you give someone with a breast cancer diagnosis? Okay. So, again, like, I am not the model of best behavior. You know this. You know how much I love soda and candy and stuff like that. It's so funny because you read, like, people who have, like, been diagnosed or, like, are survivors. And they're like, oh, I'm completely vegan now. Or I only eat paleo now. Or whatever, right? I do believe like nutrition and lifestyle changes probably make some difference, especially if you're if you want to live a healthy lifestyle, but that's not to say like super healthy people get cancer all the time. So, of course. Yeah, you didn't give yourself cancer and people aren't giving themselves cancer by eating candy. Exactly. Is choosing a nutritious diet and adding exercise in a good choice for everybody? Probably. Probably. Right? Yeah, exactly. But it's not like a shield of armor. Right, exactly. So I don't have any concrete advice in terms of nutrition. I remember I read so many books, like everything that says like vegan's the way to go. No, you should eat paleo. No, you should only be juicing cut out all sugar, no alcohol. I remember one thing I read was like, if you eat walnuts every day, that like helps stave off breast cancer, like crazy stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I just think that moderation is the way to go in terms of nutrition and exercise is important. And am I perfect at doing both of those things? No. But I will say like, definitely talk to your doctor or nutritionist or whatever and find out what works best for you and your lifestyle. Indeed. Do you have any regrets in your surgical or treatment plans? I do, actually. You had asked earlier about the decision between a lumpectomy and a mastectomy. In hindsight, I wish I would have done the double mastectomy. Mm-hmm. because. But at the time, like, the thought of removing my breasts really scared me. Yeah. I, I was like in my early 30s. I had I wasn't newly married. I think we were married less than 10 years at that time. My breasts are like a part of who I am. Like to remove them was terrifying. And mm-hmm. I was presented with the option of that I could simply have a lumpectomy just because of where my tumor was. It wasn't near the chest wall. It was pretty like up close towards the surface and she could get to the surgeon could get to it. And so I chose the lumpectomy. I mean, just thought it would be easier. 
the idea of reconstruction really terrified me. Just stuff that I read on the internet. And here's my second PSA. Stay off the internet. Do not Google this stuff. If you've been diagnosed, like stay off the internet because you, all you're going to read is bad stuff. Mm-hmm. But the regret mostly is because the last 13 years... The amount of screening that I have to go through is ridiculous and probably causes unnecessary worries. I have to do, well, for a very long time, it was it was mammogram every six months. And then that was, it was mammogram and then MRI like every six months back to back. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Finally graduated from that. Now I'm like at the... Yeah, I only go once a year, but like, you know, it's just this like worry. Every little like thing that I feel like makes me worried and I have to go and have it checked out. So if I would have removed them from go, I probably wouldn't have to do that. Yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. Does that eliminate the chance of it returning at all, removing that tissue? I don't know. That I don't know for sure. From my understanding, yes, because they remove all of the breast tissue. And breast tissue runs from, like, way, armpit, yeah, way yeah. under your armpit. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's very invasive to, like, remove mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But from my understanding is, could there be a recurrence in there if you have a mastectomy? Possibly. But I don't know. Yeah, interesting. I'll look that up. I'll I'll leave a note in the show notes about that. I'm going to do some more research on that. Yeah, are women who've had a reconstruction after mastectomy getting mammograms or no because that's not breast tissue? Yeah, I don't know. I have I have no idea. That's a really good question. So, the next question is were your friends there for you? And Wendy and I did not know each other at this time. Would you have been there for me, Megan? <laughs> I would like to think so. <laughs> yes, I had a ma- an amazing like uh, support group of friends and family. Neighbors were wonderful. I, my husband was incredible. He, I will never forget. Like we had like a big like dinner at, when I finished treatment. When I was like fully, fully done, we had a big dinner for those who were like the closest to us, who had really helped us out. Like we just wanted to say thank you. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying I wanted to include my husband in that because he was just awesome. You have to remember, we had a six-month-old at the time. He was also working full-time. He has a very demanding job. He took me to appointments. He played nurse. Like, I would have to take medications in the middle of the night. Like, every four hours, he would set his alarm and make sure that I took those medications. He definitely, definitely, like, through sickness and health, was there for me. So I, yeah, I had a great, great support group of friends and family. So that leads us to our next question, which I imagine you get asked all the time. And I think perhaps is the most helpful for people listening is how can I help my friend, my sister, my mom, my neighbor who has just been diagnosed? Yes, this is the absolute number one question I get all the time. I get a text from somebody random that I've met years ago and they'll go, hey, I remember you had cancer. Blah, 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 blah. How can I help? How, first of all, can I interrupt? How do you feel about being that resource? I'm fine with being that resource. Yeah. I'm happy to be that resource. Yeah. I've always been an open book about having breast cancer. A lot of people 
you know, want to protect their privacy about it. And I understand that too, as well. I don't think there is any shame to be had with having breast cancer at all. Like you said earlier, I did not do this to myself. It right. is what it is. I'm happy to share my experience with people who, who need help getting through it. When I was newly diagnosed, I remember... I didn't, I didn't have any friends who had gone through it, you know, right. because I was so young and I needed to see that there were people who had, you know, 10 years, 20 years out from their uh, initial diagnosis. And it, I had to search it out and find it. And I did, thankfully, because I needed to know that there was like life after having breast cancer. So I am happy to be that resource to people that say, hey, yes. Like, yes, here I am 13 years later. Like, I'm still living. I want to interrupt you one more time before we answer this because you just said 13 years. So I I know I've asked you this before, but after <laughs> your lumpectomy, mm-hmm. is that the point at which you were considered no evidence of disease and then they moved? Is that your, when you say your cancer-free date, is that your date that you work from and then you started chemo and radiation after that? Yes, that's the date that I work from. It's different for everybody. There's no, right. like, there's no, you know rule book on when you consider yourself, you know, cancer free. But yes, I and I have a very uncomfortable like time calling myself cancer free. I like just the doctor's way of saying is like no evidence of disease. Mm -hmm. So yes, what the day that the cancer was removed from me is the day that I mark as my cancer bursary. I see. Okay. Which is which is coming up. It's uh next weekend. So yeah. Exciting times. Okay, so the first thing that you can do to help someone who's been diagnosed is time and attention. And when you're newly diagnosed, like everybody comes out, everybody says, oh, my God, let me I'll be there for you, blah, 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 blah. But like, you know, treatment, the span of treatment is like six to eight, 12 months sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like be there throughout the course of that treatment. Like, don't just, like, ghost these people, like, two or three months in. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. And I will say, like, especially at the end of treatment is a very scary time because you've fallen into this pattern of, like, I'm treating my cancer, I'm treating my cancer, and then you don't go to the doctor anymore in Mm terms, like, you don't get chemo anymore, you don't get radiation anymore, and then it's like, now what? Mm-hmm. And that transition is very scary. Your new normal, which I hate that, but whatever. That's what people refer it as. So just be there for your friend or family or mom or sister or whatever, like throughout the course of that time. All right. The second thing is childcare. If you can offer up any childcare services, like if that's taking someone's kids to school or sports or whatever, that's huge, huge. I was, I had a six-month-old, you know, one-year-old at the time, and it was very hard, especially during radiation, because you had to go every single day for like seven weeks or something like that. I couldn't take her with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't just mm-hmm. like hand her off to like some radiation tech and was like, here, hold my daughter while I jump on the table and do this. Like it was, that was very difficult. So if you can offer up babysitting or whatever, definitely, definitely do that. The third thing is meals. And I think 
a lot of people are really good at this, you know, those meal trains and all that stuff. I think those are great ideas. I remember I got like a bunch of like gift cards to like the grocery store, which is kind of weird. But I would say like prepared meals or gift cards for like DoorDash or Postmates, something like that, especially during the time of chemo treatments. I didn't care about me. I didn't I wasn't like interested in eating food, but I had a family who needed to eat and I wasn't able to like, you know, make dinner as normal or whatever. So just if you could like, you know, provide a meal for them, that is super generous. The last two things are like errands and housework. And I know that there's a lot of people who have like control issues like myself, like mm-hmm. I don't, or, or asking for help. Like I don't, I don't want people to do stuff for me. I want people to think that I got it under control. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you can offer up like a run to the grocery store or pick up dry cleaning or take dogs for a walk or pull the yeah. trash cans out or in, yeah. like that stuff is so simple and so appreciated. I mean, I didn't ever want to like go outside, like when I didn't have any hair, like that was like awful to me. So I like, I hated like, walking the dog or pulling the trash cans out or getting the mail or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like super self-conscious about that stuff for a while. So yeah, if you can offer that stuff up, that's great. And sometimes just saying like, hey, I'm running to the grocery store. What do you need? Yeah. Instead of like waiting for someone to ask for something or hey, when's a good time for me to come over and run a vacuum through your house? Like, I'm not judging your house. I'm just saying, let me just run a vacuum through and wipe down your kitchen counter. You know what yeah. I mean? Obviously, it depends on your how close you are. But like someone like me, I could say like, hey, I'm going to come like zoom the vacuum through and run a little laundry and like wipe down your counters and get out of your way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just saying like, hey, when is a good time for me to do this instead of what do you need? Because that feels overwhelming. What do you need? I don't know what I need. Like, yeah, no, I'm just I need my life to go back to normal. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, what's a good day for me to bring you dinner instead of. Right. So I don't know. Being proactive in what you're asking for. Totally. One hundred percent. Can we just talk preventive measures really quickly? Because you've had a lot of mammograms. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple mammograms. Guys, if you are delaying getting a mammogram, I would rather get a mammogram every single day than ever go back to the dentist. 100%. <laughs> it is not that bad. Is it a little squishy? Yeah. Do these women touch other women's breasts all day long? Yes, they do not care that you have breastfed your babies and now your breasts are not perking anymore. They don't care. No. They don't care. Like, I'm always like, oh, my my stomach is out because you're top. They don't care. Yeah. They're just going to lift your breast up, put it where it needs to go. They're going to manipulate it. It's like putting a wrist on an x-ray plate for them. It is the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It is no big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't be afraid of doing it. It. There are worse things. Yeah. Agree? Oh, that one billion percent. The dentist (laughs) is worse than a mammogram. End of story. And also then you get to feel really good about yourself. Like, I am taking care of myself. And then you get to tell everybody else to go do it. Like, it's, it's, it's worth the appointment, guys. I agree. I agree. So schedule those appointments. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing all that. I know that is hard for you to talk about. And, you know, it's a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you. So we're going to take a quick break and come right back and talk Megan and Wendy approved. All right. 
we are back with Megan and Wendy approved and what did you I'm going to have you, you no I'm going to have you go, go first? first yeah I'm tired of talking <laughs> <laughs> too much podcasting for me <laughs> so my item is a cube timer and it looks like a large die like a single uh, dice uh-huh and the one i have has four numbers on it 15 minutes 30 minutes 60 minutes 90 weird. minutes no what's the fourth number <laughs> hold on 15 20 30 and 60 minutes mm-hmm. and when it's on you just turn the cube so that one of those times is facing up and it automatically just starts a timer for that amount of time. Is it like click, 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 No, click, make click, no click. noise. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, there's a little light goes on on that number so that you know that the timer's running and then it just beeps when it's done. And so, you guys, every time I get up to go do something, I run and then I out of breath for some time. <laughs> Are you closing I those use... rings? <laughs> no. <laughs> I use timers all day long. I have said before that I fully believe that I have adult ADHD and they really help me focus. I'll set a timer and I'll be like, spend 20 minutes doing this task. And I often use them on my phone, which is great. The problem is that my phone has 900 other distractions on it. And sometimes my brain can't be like, set the timer and set the phone down. It's like, oh, you turn on the timer and then you see all these other notifications. So Mm -hmm. I like that this is off of my phone. I like it on my desk because I can just set timers as I'm working, work on this task for 30 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, and it's hands-free. It comes in several colors. Mine's just white. Anyway, I like it. It's a nice little desk accessory. And if you're trying, if you are into like the Pomodoro method, if you know anything about that, it's a timer method of getting things done. Yeah, we talked like about it. that before, right? On uh-huh. the podcast. Yeah. I just like it because it helps me focus and anything that gets me off of my phone is a good thing. I saw something over the weekend that I thought might interest you, but then might give you more anxiety. And it was like a, it was a clock, but it was like a countdown clock instead. So like the clock moved backwards. So you would, does that make sense? It's really weird. It's like visually, like you can see the clock moving backwards. So like you now, you know, you have like 20 minutes left. Does it have like the red thing? Like, yes. Yes, I have seen that. I've seen that. That stress you out? That feels very stressful to me. I don't know. My issue is, and the reason I use timers is sometimes I am doing something and I get distracted. And so the nice thing about a timer is when the timer goes off, my brain goes, oh, yeah, you were supposed to be doing this other thing. (laughs) Um, So sometimes I'm able to focus the entire time and sometimes I'm not. But at least then I don't blow two hours doing something that was not like my original goal. So I'm not sure that I would focus enough on the red timer, but Mm -hmm. I do think that's especially great for kids understanding, like they can see, you know, I want you to work on this thing or you have this much TV time left or you have this much time until dinner or bedtime. I know people like those. I'm just not sure I would ever look at it. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. What I got is super different than yours. Yeah. It's the season of candy right now. And I have to give it up to my daughter because she introduced these to me. It's the Unreal brand dark chocolate coconut bars, which are like Almond Joys, mm-hmm. and dark chocolate peanut butter cups, which are like Reese's peanut butter cups. And they're so freaking good. 
And Unreal is lower in sugar? Is that I don't the difference? know. I'm okay. going to look right now, actually. Okay. Unreal is made with deliciously rich fair trade chocolate, simple, organic, non-GMO, project verified ingredients. They don't use sugar alcohols, stevia, or IMOs, which I'm not even sure what an IMO is. Are you familiar with that? Nope. And it just says we just use less sugar for real. So it's candy with less sugar, basically. But they're dang good. I'm telling you. Super good. We originally bought the first one at Costco. It was like a big, huge box. And I haven't been able to find them there since. But I did find them at Whole Foods recently. They were the, it's the Halloween candy. It's like a big box of like 20 small size ones. We're eating them ourselves here. We're not, we're we're not giving these out for Halloween. Yeah, but I've never seen them in the little sizes, like yeah. a big bag of little sizes. I like that. Yeah. The Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are so good because, one, I call them Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. One, it's dark chocolate, which yeah. I like. And, two, the peanut butter is, like, so smooth. You know how Reese's is kind of, like, grainy? You mean delicious? Yes. I, I I'm not knocking it. I love a Reese's peanut butter cup. (laughs) This is a little bit different. It's just like a really smooth peanut butter. They're good. And they have ones that are like Snickers, M&M's, which I'm really not interested in. Yeah, that's what they got. So less sugar, guys. To be clear, you're still a fan of all regular full sugar candies. Yes, but these are (laughs) really good, too. I believe you. I just want to make sure I'm not going to be shamed for my candy stash. No. Uh, yeah, I'm going to come over with my, like, less than, you know, less sugar candy. No. You're going to swap my nerds gummy clusters for the Unreal version. Yeah, but give me a real Coke, you know. Mm. Come on. <laughs> Man, I hadn't had a gummy cluster in a long time, and I bought a bag of Michaels this weekend and powered through it so fast. Look, when I eat that, like, I get a real sugar rush. Like, my yes, head feels it's like, like it's going to explode. It, yes. I feel like my <laughs> blood pressure rises. I feel like it's a direct IV of sugar into my veins when I eat those. Totally. But, but I like it. Are they available in the Halloween size? I wonder. Oh, I've never seen them. But, you know, honestly, I don't want a small bag. <laughs> Get out of here. If you're small bags, give me the family size sharing bag or nothing at all. <laughs> We will be back on Thursday with our Girls Gone Hallmark bonus episode where we are recapping the final Fall Harvest movie of 2021, which is Advice to Love By. And then this weekend, Hallmark Christmas movies begin Friday, October 22nd. So get ready for that. We will see you on Thursday with our final fall review. Have a great week, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.